And now we come to a reading of the Lord's Word. Uh, we will be reading from Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. And uh, this is subtitled, Jesus Agonises in the Garden. So if you'd like to follow in the Bibles in front of you. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed for the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So while I sort out the PowerPoint, you can work out what are the two key similarities between that passage and the Lord's Prayer. Okay, how are you getting on? How are you going on? Two, two, two similarities, I think. Well, let me, let me read to you the Lord's Prayer, and then you might just see it might just ring. It might just ring for you. Jesus said, this is Matthew 6. So this is page 970, Matthew 6, verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Two, two key similarities or any similarities that you spot between Jesus praying the Lord's prayer? Say them again. Good. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, there there are a number of similarities. Yeah, but, uh, uh, God's God's will. I mean, I think it's just really interesting, isn't it, that that Jesus says, "Your will be done." Um, Jesus, when he prays, says, "Your your will be done." Um, the, the other one, there is a, um, about temptation. Yeah, about the uh, disciples not falling into temptation. 
The other one I was thinking of was, was just Jesus uses the same words we do. He says, he says, my father. My father. And then he says, you can come to God and say, my father. Um, and he says, when you're praying, you say, um, your will be done. And Jesus himself has to say that. Has to submit to his father. If you take nothing else away today, that'll be a really good start. Um, so let, let's pray and then we'll get into it. Our Father in heaven, who come before you today asking not so much that we would learn about you, but that we would see you more clearly this morning. And that by seeing you more clearly, our, our prayers, our prayer life, individually and together will be transformed. Please give us sight of you. By your spirit in our hearts, that's what your spirit does. You as clear sight of you this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know whether it comes from having a single syllable name, so Nick, but um, it's maybe uh, less easy to do if you have a, a multiple syllable name, but uh, I've often been called by something else. Um, often Nick and Mick, you know, they, they get mixed up. So you're talking to somebody on the phone and you meet them for the first time, they keep calling you Mick. You know, I don't know how that feels. Does that happen to you? Or sometimes I get called Tim. Um, it's okay, isn't it? You can cope with that if it's, you know, a one-off. Uh, it's somebody you've met for the first time or it's over a, a phone line. It's acceptable from a, a stranger, but it's not okay from a friend. And so when we come to a, a, a addressing Almighty God in prayer, when we come to this activity of prayer, it's fundamental that we address him in the right way and that we address him in the way that he has asked to be addressed. So this first sentence in, in the Lord's Prayer is different from the others because it's what we might call the invocation. It's the call. It's, it's the address. Our Father um, in heaven. And then there are, there are three petitions, or you can break them up in different ways. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Three uh, God-centered petitions. Then there's three human-centered petitions. Give us our daily bread, forgive us our debts, lead us not into temptation. And then there's a little praise ending. You'll notice it wasn't there in the reading because it's not there in, in our Bibles. It's there as a footnote. I think it's probably added on later. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. But this, I want you to take away uh, from today, if you, if you can, and, and feel the force of it, is that Jesus instructs us to bring our prayers to God the Father and to call him our Father, to call him my Father. And so the amazing truth is that Jesus invites you to address God in the same terms that he does invites you to call on God in the same terms he does as Father. But there's a word before uh, Father in the prayer. I don't know whether you've noticed. Um, and it has surprising implications. So the first word in the prayer is our. 
our Father, and that really in intrigues me. Um, Peter's already picked that up this morning. Uh, Jesus gives us a prayer as would be said by a meeting or a congregation. It's all plurals, have you noticed? Our Father, um, give us, forgive us, lead us. It's all plurals. Jesus has given us a prayer as it would be said by a meeting or, or a congregation. And yet he then goes and tells us to pray on our own and pray to the Father in secret. What are we to make of that? And maybe the answer, some people would say, lies in the two versions of the Lord's Prayer. We get one in Matthew, we get one in Luke. And in Luke, uh, the situation is, is, is different. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, teach us um, to pray. And I don't think they mean teach us individually. They mean teach us as a group how to pray, or at least I think that's how Jesus um, takes it, because he gives them a prayer to pray together. And in Luke, it's Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. It's shorter and it's simpler than Matthew's version. And for some scholars, that would be the answer. They would say, well, look, Matthew's just, uh, he's, he's taken this situation out of Luke and he's just copied and pasted. Um, and he's stuck it into his, his own prayer and he's stuck it next to some other teaching on Jesus and yeah, it doesn't really fit. And that won't do. Yes, Matthew and Luke, they arrange their material, they take teachings of Jesus and they, and they, and they put them together, but it won't do. We have to, uh, as evangelicals, we credit uh, Matthew and Luke with more sense than that. And actually we credit the Lord with more sense than that who supervised the putting together of the Bible. So they come from different occasions. They come from different points in time. Jesus, you can imagine that Jesus would teach this more than once. Matthew's version is an independent version from, from Luke's version. So we still have this question. That's not a good answer. What do we do with this group prayer? And the simple first part, which you've already guessed, the simple first part of the answer is pray it as family. Pray it together. Come together and address God together as our Father. That's the implication of this first line. Nearly all the New Testament letters, they open with, with reference to, to God our Father. So 1 Corinthians 1, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The fatherhood of God, it it defines us. Defines core to our identity that we are God's children, and that makes us God's family. And Jesus calls us to express that family nature in prayer. So here's the suggestion, practical suggestion uh, for next week. And maybe you try and uh, remember it, but you might want to practice it tonight. I don't think, unfortunately, I'm going to be able to be at the prayer meeting tonight. Um, Colin will lead. But when you pray in church, how, I wonder whether you would have an experiment with me and start your prayers with our Father in heaven. Just start your prayers with our, our Father in heaven. And it would just be a, a, a subtle signal and a, and a reminder of, of something subtle that, that, that when we pray together as, as a group, we're not just one person popping up, um, this is my need and I'm praying for it. Another person pops up, this is my need and I'm praying for it. Uh, we are coming together um, as, the, as the body of Christ, as the family 
uh, of Jesus in this part of Staines, and we are calling out together our Father um, in heaven. It's just a sign, isn't it, that we're coming together and we're praying as a family and we're praying in one mind and we're praying the mind of Christ. So that's one suggestion. The other suggestion is that in private use, it is to be used in private. It is to be used in, in the secret pray, place. Um, for you at home, I don't, have, I don't know whether you've been practicing it, whether you, you've been giving it a go. I have this week. And I think my conclusion at the end of the week is that it is acceptable to individualize it is to come to the Lord and say, my Father, my Father in heaven. Give me today my daily bread. And of course, it's fundamental, I guess, to say, forgive me um, my debts. Actually, if you want to use the word sins, sins will do here. Um, but it's sin in the sense of having incurred a moral debt. And that's why the word uh, debt is used. So I encourage you to use it and to individualize it. Um, make it your own, my Father in heaven, but only if you are also somewhere else praying with the rest of the church. So you can only say my Father if you're also saying our Father somewhere else. And only, second condition, if your private prayers take into account the rest of the church. If your private prayers are not simply about you. So yes, you can individualize it. You have a personal relationship with the Father in heaven. I trust that you do. If you don't, take and read one of those. Um, but you are no longer uh, just an individual in relationship with God. You are uh, a child of God in God's family, the local church. So our is your first word, and it has implications about what you do. Um, father is, is the second word, and it was controversial. So the Jews uh, of Jesus' time, they saw Jesus um, praying to God as, as Father, and they saw uh, Jesus making a claim to be equal with God. And they were right. He was making a claim to be equal with God. And they found it too comprehensive, uh, sorry, too offensive to comprehend. And before that, although God was seen as the father of the nation of, of Israel, I didn't, the Jews didn't routinely address God as father. And I wonder if anything, if they saw themselves as children of Abraham, if they were children of anybody, they were children of Abraham. And Jesus instructs us, you and I, his followers, to address our prayers to, our, to the father, our father. That's the amazing truth. And we've seen it in Gethsemane. Jesus comes and he says, Father. And actually, if you read the Mark version, he says, Abba, Father. It just says, my Father. And Jesus says, your will be done. Jesus just invites you to do the same. To come to God in the same terms. It's an amazing thing. How can that be? Well, Jesus is son of God, isn't he? He's the son of God by nature. And our relationship, we are sons of God um, by adoption. We are, we are sons, let me just explain at this point, we are, we are sons and daughters uh, of God, clearly. But, but sonship uh, in the ancient world was more than daughtership. It included more privileges than, 
Uh, it's just the way it was it, it, in that age. Um, sons received privileges that daughters didn't. So today, forgive me, I'm going to carry on talking about, about sonship, and partly because it's comparing it with, with, with Jesus' sonship. Um, He's son of God by nature. We are sons of God only by adoption because by nature we are children of wrath. Paul says, Ephesians 2, 3. Children of wrath. We're just, uh, on our own, we're just, we just invite. By our very natures, just invite God's anger and God's punishment. But by grace through faith, when we become Christians and we trust Christ, when we're uh, all his obedient life is, is credited to us and all our falling short is nailed to a cross. We not only become given new hearts, not only receive the Holy Spirit, but we are adopted uh, into God's family. We're sons of God by adoption. So Paul says in Galatians 4, he says this, he says, what I'm saying is that as long as the heir, so he's talking about Israel, is a child, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. So the relationship of God uh, in the Old Testament is different. The, Israel, they, the believing Israelites, they, they owned the whole estate. They were heirs of God, but they, but they, were, like, they were like children. Or they were like a slave, rather. They're subject to guardians and trustees, he says. He means the law until the time set by his father. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. He's talking about Jesus. To redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. So the Old Testament believers, they were inheritors of the kingdom of God, but they just didn't know this relationship that you and I have as sons of God. And Paul says, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. So God has put this spirit, his spirit, who is here called the spirit of Jesus, into your hearts. And that spirit is, is working. He's the spirit who himself calls out, Abba, Father, but he's working in your, uh, in your heart to uh, encourage you, to connect you to the Father and to encourage you and empower you and give you confidence to do the same. So our sonship is subtly different from Jesus. So when Jesus um, appeared to Mary Magdalene, he said, don't hold on to me. He said, don't hold on to me. I've not yet ascended to the Father. And he said, go to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father and my God and your God. And it's quite often commented that Jesus talks about my father and, and your father. Um, there's a subtle difference to, well, it's more than a subtle difference for his fatherhood, his understanding of God as father. They, they are one in one being in a ways that we're never going to understand. And we're sons adopted uh, by the righteous obedience of Christ. So we'll never have the divine nature of Christ will never be the second person of the Trinity but we can participate in the blessings that come to Jesus as the fully obedient man and Jim Packer says this he says we are loved no less than Jesus that's not a stunning statement it says you are 
in God's eyes as loved as Jesus. And what does the Father say of the Son? When Jesus is baptized, a voice came from heaven, this is my Son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. When Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, what does the voice from the Father say? This is my Son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Jim Packer says you are as loved in the Father's eyes as the Son, as Jesus. Jesus looks upon you now and says, with him, I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. The lovely, I could go through all of you, can I say, well pleased with Christy. Well pleased with Tim, the Lord says. Well pleased uh, with Vicky. We're loved no less than Jesus. We're heirs of the kingdom. The whole point of adoption in the ancient world was so that you would have somebody to um, leave your property to. Adoption wasn't so much an altruistic thing. It was, it was so that you had somebody who would inherit. God adopts you so that you will inherit. You will earn the whole estate. <laughs> That's what Paul says. You will own the whole estate. The works. The lot. When God makes a new heavens and a new earth, you will inherit the, the whole estate. And we have God's spirit in us as, as, as sons. God's spirit working in you is making you confident that you are children of God. So when you come to prayer, you come wrapped in, in the righteousness of Christ. His obedience that he works worked out um, during his life. You, you come to God in prayer, as it were, kind of with that wrapped around you. He's the only perfectly obedient son uh, of the Father. He's the only person who has any right to have his prayers answered. And so when you come, you come wrapped in, in the righteousness of Christ. And that's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. So Jesus hasn't forgotten to put this at the end, in my name. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, it's implicit in this statement, our Father, that you come wrapped in the, in the righteousness of Christ. And you come empowered by the Spirit. So talk about our Father in heaven. So Father speaks uh, of God's love and his sustained care and his concern. Did you notice it came up in um, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven? Father like he tends and spares as well our feeble frames he knows. Uh, Father speaks of God's love and his sustained care, his concern. In heaven speaks of his greatness. He's eternal, he's infinite, he's almighty. And Jim Packer again says this. There's, I notice there's, there's one of those books left on the, um, on the bookstall, the Jim Packer. It's a lovely little book. There are more coming. Um, so two or three, they're about seven or eight pounds. I, you have to ask Ken whether these books are free or not, really. It's just um, it's kind of like I, 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 kind of, I hate claiming money back for books. It's just a real pain. So, um, so put between five and ten pounds in, in, you know, in the offering. Um, the offering bucket is here now. If you've not had a chance to give for the last 18 months, then please put 18 months worth of offerings in the bucket today. <laughs> it would really help. Um, there we go. Um, so books, hey, and I've forgotten the price of the other ones. You know what I'm like. So, you know, these, but there are some resources there because we want you to be um, thinking about sharing your faith over this term. So uh, certainly the little knowing God personally, they're free. Uh, and there's a good book called um, 
Where is God when things go wrong? If you want a copy of that, take one. And if you take one, I'd just come back and I think what I would say is take one, but intend to increase your offering the next week. You know, um, because you probably haven't got the money on you now. But anyway, you sort it out. It's between you and the Lord. And Ken and I will not come and knock on your door. Where was I? Okay. Um, Yeah, Jim Packer. Uh, The vitality of prayer lies largely in the vision of God that prompts it. Yeah? So if you've got a big vision of God, your prayers uh, are going to be energized and a bit more uh, exciting. He says, drab thoughts of God make prayer dull. Um, So we have to get a grip on on what is heaven. And, and so just hang in there a minute. I'm bringing you a definition. Um, and I know how you love a definition writ- written on the screen. Um, and I can, because uh, most of the times I put this up and I can see your eyes glazing over. Um, so hang, hang in there. Just please make a special effort. Um, this is from a, a Reformed dictionary. It says this, heaven in Reformed understanding is a definite place. It's the invisible part of creation. It's the spiritual realm, in other words, which is inaccessible to human beings. Heaven is God's dwelling place within creation. So it doesn't mean within the physical realm, but within the created spiritual realm. It's the seat of divine rule. It's that place in the created order where God's will is done. But God's presence transcends even it. Heaven is also the dwelling place of God's ministering spirits, angels, the souls of the faithful departed, and the place from which the ascended Christ rules at the right hand of God. Hang in there. We'll try and explain it. So heaven is where God is. It's a spiritual dimension of creation. Heaven is where Jesus is. And we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God. For we don't have a great high priest who's unable to feel sympathy. We have one who's been tempted in every way. Let us approach God's throne of grace uh, with confidence. So uh, heaven is where Jesus is, uh, interceding, standing before the throne of grace, ready to take your prayers before the Lord and say, hey, have you looked at, seen this from Dave today? Heaven is where Jesus is. Heaven is where the souls of believers are. Paul says, I desire to depart and be with Christ. So if Christ is in heaven, that's where uh, the souls of the departed go, waiting that day when they will get their resurrection bodies in the new creation. So let's not confuse these things. So heaven now is where uh, departed believers have gone, they were, but they're awaiting a new bodily existence when Christ comes again. Heaven is where the angels are, not all angels ministering spirits. It doesn't stop them from interacting uh, with creation and uh, um, helping believers. But I think perhaps the easiest way when you, in your praying is to think about it as the throne room of God. Think about it as the throne room of God. You can go to Revelation 4 and 5. That would be a good thing to read through and think, here's a picture of Uh, of God um, on his throne. So it's the place from which God rules. So the Lord says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. That's a good picture, isn't it? When you come into God, earth is his footstool. It's where his will should be done and heaven is, is his throne. Psalm 11 says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his throne heavenly throne he observes 
everyone on earth and his eyes examine them and it goes on to say that he, of course he sees the righteous uh, he sees the unrighteous and he sees the righteous and deals with them accordingly so heaven is the throne room of God it is the realm of uh, of angels um, it is the place where God's will is done and our prayer then what we're invited to do is to say Lord will your will be done um, on earth too is a key part of our prayer so let's just look at a few practical things so you direct, direct your prayers to the, to the Father it's not absolutely wrong to address your prayers to Jesus or to the Holy Spirit, but, in, um, but what we're called to do is to pray to, the, pray to the Father, our Father in heaven. Use those words in church. It'd be really interesting if you'd have a little practice. I don't want to cramp your style, but, but I'm finding it really helpful just to organize my prayers, my personal prayers um, around um, around the Lord's Prayer. Because otherwise my praying is disordered um, and it is relatively chaotic and I come running into God's presence with whatever it is on, on top of my mind. Um, and I'm finding it a very interesting experience just to, just to stop the first part of my prayer is my Father. My Father in heaven. My Father in heaven. And it's just worth stopping and, and using that as, as the first part of your prayer. Um, it's the nearest thing to a panacea. Panacea is a, is, is, is a cure-all. It's different from panacotta and it's different from panatoni. It's, it's, um, it, it's a, of course, um, the Lord is, the knowledge of God is the cure-all. Just won't cure-all, sorry Stephen, amongst others, and all those who are in pain, won't cure-all in this life, but, but knowledge of God is the cure-all, and surely the greatest comfort that you can take in this life is to sit down um, and say, my Father in heaven, my Father uh, in heaven because if you if you have a God who is your father what else do you need he's a good father if he's in heaven if he's a father he cares if he's in heaven he's capable you have a God who is both um, able and ready to answer prayer so use those prayers in church use it at home but not forgetting um, when you come pray in Jesus name but don't just tag it on the end you know these things are uh, are there to they're meant to be from the heart aren't they just come if you need to confessing and, and wrapped in the, in the righteousness of Christ and pray with this spirit-given uh, assurance. We, we picked it up in Galatians 4. You might want to go back and read Galatians 4. It's in Romans, it's in Romans 8 as well. Um, the spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. 
So some of you had rubbish fathers. And you think, actually, Nick, this, this calling God father, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult thing for me. Well, I can identify. But we come trusting in the spirit that day by day, week by week, year on year, uh, decade by decade, he is unwriting um, your experience of your father and he is writing uh, by the very finger of God uh, upon your heart um, a new narrative and a new understanding which is that in God you have the best possible father and he loves you loves you to death and wants the best for you direct your prayers to your father direct your prayers to heaven God is on his throne God is on his throne. Be assured of that. And Jesus is your high priest. He is the offer of your prayers. Ready to uh, bring your prayers with the sacrifice of his own blood before the Father. So I wonder whether, just to sum up, you've ever been, um, you've had one of those situations where something's broken down. Maybe, maybe you, you know, it was like your computer or your mobile phone, uh, probably your mobile phone. It's one of those things you, you can't, you know, if it was a computer, you know, I would, I would get inside there with a screwdriver. But if it's a mobile phone, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's a black box, isn't it? You, you, you brave person who gets inside it. It's, you, it's not working. Um, you don't know what to do. You, you ring up. You ring up your service provider or your broadband's gone down and you've been days and you get a different answer from every person who, 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 um, who you talk to. You get passed from pillar to post. And eventually, you reach the right person in the right department um, uh, when they're in the right frame of mind and they say the immortal words, yes, I can fix that for you. And you get the sense that they know that they're talking about. While addressing God as Father in heaven, we have the right person in the right department who says, yes, yes, I can fix that for you. So what in your life is not right simply because you've not brought it because you're before your Father in heaven? That would just be incredibly sad. The James says to his, his readers, you do not have because you do not ask God. Do not have because you do not ask God. Let not that be us. Let not that be you or I. So come on. Come to your, come to our Heavenly Father and ask. So what we'll do, if uh, worship team, you come back up. And I'll just read the prayer through again. Haven't got time to spend on it now, but we'll, uh, we'll respond in, in song. Let's pray briefly. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be praised and honoured in Staines Kong and in Staines and in the UK and in the world. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know Lord, in your realm, your will is perfectly done. We know people resisted on earth, please.
come and gather people into your kingdom and into your will. Give us today our daily bread, Lord. This is our day of, uh, of rest, but we thank you for jobs and provision and ask that you will go on providing. Now forgive us our debts, Lord, we have sinned. We've said that already. Please forgive us. As we forgive, as we also have forgiven our debtors, Lord, help us to be radical cancellers of debt. Leave no stone unturned to make sure it's forgiven. And lead us not into temptation, Lord, protect us this week. Lord, forgive us if we deliberately walked into temptation. Keep us away this week. We pray and deliver us from the evil one. Let him have no power over us, no foothold in our lives. We ask for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.